Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Like sometimes the comment will make me raise my eyebrow and I just want to leave it for a little bit and say, like, let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, eh, sometimes it doesn't go well. And then you (laughs) use up some of those deletes. But um, I I think it's interesting how how sometimes people are like, oh, I was on my mobile in the Target checkout line. I didn't didn't mean my tone to come across that way. I didn't mean it like that. I wasn't thinking about it like that. Of course, sometimes you have the thought police and you have people like, calling out rudeness with rudeness, and that's not good. But on the whole, I think that uh, if you have a nice living room, people want to keep it nice. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsu Politics. Today we are sharing part two of our conversation with Ann Vogel from Cincinnati's podcast festival about cultivating the positive aspects of internet communities. But before that, we have to quickly give an update 
It is now day 21 of the government shutdown. Sarah, how are you feeling about things? I'm feeling very frustrated as the actual real world consequences of the shutdown pile up. People are not going to get paychecks. The consequences are literally piling up as in trash at our national parks and on the nation's mall. It's just I'm frustrated. I'm angry. This seems so pointless. I know that we had the president's address to the nation and the Democrats' response, which just seemed to rehash what we already knew, which is he wants $5 billion for a wall and they are unwilling to give it. And I'm so, so frustrated because this seems so pointless. And I hate that people are suffering. And I'm worried, honestly, between the reporting about our nation's food supply going uninspected, from the National Weather Service not being able to get out as up-to-date information, from investigations and our transportation system going uninvestigated, that someone's going to get hurt, honestly. I read some reporting that White House aides are floating the idea that he needs to just go ahead and declare a national emergency and then have the courts hold that up and in the meantime reopen the government kind of saying, well, the courts have forced my hand. That's his way out. And that depresses me enormously if that's Mm -hmm. where we are, that, that the White House essentially feels like it is so important for him to personally save face here mm-hmm. that we need to put our country through all of those steps. I mean, it's just this is to me what's bothering me. I agree with you 100 percent about all of the very serious consequences of having the government shut down. I'm also worried that we have normalized the idea that we just shut the government down when we have a political mm-hmm. disagreement. And I'm worried that we are normalizing this way of talking about one another. You know, when you watch the Oval Office address and response, it's like everybody has to try to be this dysfunctional. There is such an obvious path to compromise here. And we've just made it where the norm is they're terrible, they're terrible. We want this, they don't want that. And and lies about what the demands are, lies about characterization of the meeting itself. What are we doing? And I'm worried that like regular people are starting to talk and think this way in their regular lives because it is like we're just putting intellectual and emotional asbestos in the air. I'm frustrated because I want to be clear. I don't think there's some sort of false equivalency. I don't think that both sides are equally in the wrong. I don't think that even compromise is the necessary solution. And what I mean by that is sometimes when you make purely political moves, which this absolutely is, you miscalculate and you lose. And this administration's complete unwillingness to politically act in responsible ways with Congress, you know, he just doesn't want to play politics or acknowledge the political reality of living in a democracy where the president must act along with Congress. And look, he's not the first one, but he sure's taken it to a next level, as opposed to making a political move and then saying, you know what? I lost. This was a political move and I will suffer the political ramifications of my miscalculation, it's let's manipulate the other part of our job, which is actually running the government and governing itself to mitigate any repercussions or consequences of our bad political decisions. And it's just incredibly 
frustrating and wrong. And I don't understand why, like you said, the the narrative seems to be, well, the most important thing here is that you say face. No, sometimes in politics, you lose and it hurts and you lose face and you just have to suck it up, learn the lesson and not make that same mistake next time. But he seems completely incapable of that. Well, Congress seems incapable, too, because the problem, the reason that we have this dysfunction right now is everyone has accepted the argument. I'm not saying there's equal responsibility. And I, you know, I know that as soon as I have any criticism of Democrats, my email becomes false equivalency and I get it. So I want to be clear. I think the president and Republicans have done a spectacularly miserable job here and have completely abdicated their responsibilities. What bothers me all around is that everyone is accepting this debate on the president's terms. I think the Democrats' wisest move here is to say, all right, we have this one issue, let's isolate it. Let's pass these other, let's get everything else back open. And then let's have that fight. That's good governing, right? I think that the media narrative of this all being about the president and the Senate accepting that is a massive problem. And I want House Republicans to step up to the plate here because if Congress wants this shutdown to end, Congress can end it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they're not choosing to do that other than everyone playing into this is all about Donald Trump. I guess you just have to be really careful when you use the word Congress. And I think I'm beginning to realize this because there are the rank and file congressional Democrats, House Democrats, Senate Democrats. There's a rank and file congressional Republicans, House Republicans, Senate Republicans. And then there is the party leadership. And to me, those are like such different parties. It's almost becoming very difficult for me to talk about Congress as a monolithic group because they are not. I mean, House Democrats are doing exactly what you said. They are passing bills that open the rest of the government and put this debate in its own container to continue to work out a compromise or negotiate or whatever. And I do think that for the most part, the party leadership, which you cannot find any daylight between Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and I think that is an excellent strategy, are doing their best to formulate this as like, this is the cost of the shutdown. We're willing to continue the negotiation. But man, like, how are you supposed to not let him drive the debate when he's, he's, you know, sitting down for national addresses and going down to the border and threatening to declare a state of emergency. I mean, I think they're in a tough spot because he demands such a bigger platform than they do. I don't disagree with you. I just think that when we're talking about who can end it, the reporting, even from the national media, is if Senate Republicans, because there's been an increasing reporting about Senate Republicans up for election in 2020, if Senate Republicans and House Republicans abandon ship and say, we want to open the government, we're done with this. But he had a meeting over there and they all fell in line. So I don't know if it's necessarily fair to categorize it as a congressional problem. I think it's a congressional Republican problem. They need to abandon him if we want to stop letting him steer this debate and continue this ridiculous exercise. I think it's also true that everyone needs to talk more precisely about what border security means. I appreciate Mm -hmm. when Senator Schumer has said, we are open to technology. We are open to personnel. We are open to all of these issues. And and that's why I say, like, you have to almost intend to be this dysfunctional mm-hmm. because they probably would, under normal circumstances, end up funding most of what DHS reasonably needs. 
and is reasonably asking for. The issue here has become a physical wall because Mm -hmm. that's the president's story. And that is what is so extraordinarily irresponsible about this entire fight and why I don't think Republicans do have to abandon the president to get this done. They can just say to the president, sir, you are undercutting your own objective and we're not going to have it anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to negotiate this and we're going to move on. I would so very much like to move on, as I'm sure the federal employees who are trying to figure out how to pay their dang bills would as well. Next up, we are going to share the rest of our conversation with Ann Bogle. We had such a delightful chat with her about cultivating positive communities around the Internet and Goodness knows we need more of that to combat Mm -hmm. the kind of rhetoric that's coming out of Washington, D.C. right now. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box. Salon grade tools. Your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors, and I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick-dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick-dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish-gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Well, and I think the biggest problem with niceness and the internet and politics is, you know, right now as the intensity of the election increases and we have some very tragic events in the news, it becomes all conflated. Everything is together and there's, you you know, there's too much at stake and you have to pick a side and you can't even piece out some of the stuff that can allow those conversations like policy or legislation, you can't say, okay, I understand that we are all opposed to discrimination and violence. Can we pull anything out from that conversation that's not just, everything's at stake, there is no moral middle, it's a fight for our lives. You know, like that, there's just, with, with politics when the stakes are so high, it's very difficult to sort of say, let's just, okay, but can we just pull out just a little bit here where the only thing we're not talking about doesn't feel like life or death? We're using the word nice in this conversation as shorthand for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a word that a lot of people recoil at, right? There are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who would say three women talking about being nice. No, thanks. That's Mm -hmm. not strong. That's not cool. But Anne, you were telling us that there is a discussion in the literary community about being a good literary citizen. And I think that a lot of what we mean when we say nice is being a good citizen, being mm-hmm. a good steward of the conversation that's going on. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. We, we have podcasts. We're all, I would imagine, if we're in this room on social media, when you use your voice in a public forum, it comes or ought to come with some measure of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak up, you are advocating for whatever you're talking about. The conversation going on right now in the literary community, as far as citizenship is concerned, is not that kind of citizenship. Mm -hmm. But what am I using my voice for? Like, what authors am I lending it to? And am I filling the space with garbage or with works that deserve to be widely read? Am I Mm -hmm. using my works to advocate, am I using my words to advocate for works that aren't as well known as they should be? Whether it's because those works just haven't gotten the recognition they deserve, if they're by people who do not, like people of color or race or gender or orientation, who systematically do not get the recognition they deserve. How am I using my voice? How am I going to choose to lend it? Like, these are questions that many of us don't think about before we hit tweet. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. I think, and I think that's a conversation we had when we were highlighting females running for office. I think particularly our the thought process was we're not talking about who we think is absolutely going to win or who has a chance at winning. We just wanted to talk to women running who are disrupting the normal narrative about what running for office looks like because lending our platform and saying, you know, I always tell people when I, it's particularly women when I encourage them to run for office, I'm not asking you to run because I see something of our current politics in you. I want to see you in our current politics. Mm -hmm. And so when we elevate those voices, whether we're talking about books or politics and we use whatever platform we have, to say, we want this conversation to look different, we want engagement to look different, I think that's incredibly powerful and important. I agree, and I think that there's a lot of pressure around that once you start to see those things, and I think that's part of why folks are reluctant to move in that direction. 
because once you have a conversation about responsibility attached to social media, it can be less fun, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, every time, I mean, I know for myself, every time I get on Twitter, I start scrolling, I feel the yes or no, and I start to tweet, right? And then I have to just stop and think, what am I adding to the conversation here? But I think over time, as we model that in our interactions, I see our listeners doing the same thing. And so I start to see kindness in the thread way down, way after I'm out of a conversation. I see listeners who disagree with each other doing that in kind and interesting ways and asking each other questions. And that is, to me, where all of the magic is. And I just think on social media, it's always so essential to not only think about what voices you want to bring and elevate, but also who else is listening. That, for Mm -hmm. me, is what is Mm -hmm. so often forgotten on social media. If you're trying to, if you're commenting on someone's Facebook post and you're really just trying to stick it to that person who is posting, that's great. I'm not saying I've never done that. I'm just saying that it's always, you know, I always think, too, it's other people are listening. And I think that can also be true in elevating an argument or a voice, in a, in a, even in a thread in a comment section. Mm-hmm. If you think, I'm not going to convince that person, you're right, you're not, but other people are reading it who might need to see you representing their point of view, who might not be comfortable representing that point of view, and they're going to read that comment or they're going to see that thread or they're going to see you elevate a voice or an argument and think, I'm not alone. And that's really what happens on the Internet, right? The, the instinct and the, the drive and the desire we all have when we have that yes and that. I was thinking about how often Twitter does the, you know, 10 British tweets that feel true this week or 10 tweets about parenting that feel true or whatever that kind of like, you know, that lingo they use. And you're like, oh, I'm definitely clicking that. I'll see how true it is. And you read them, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've been there. I mean, I think we all love that feeling where we connect with something on social media or in a podcast where we feel like how I perceive that my experience is valid. And how I felt in that moment is valid, whether we're talking about books or politics. And that's a very powerful human urge, and I don't think it's always bad. But I think that we just have to be cognizant of it. I want to go back to something you said, Beth, about how you trained your listeners to Mm. engage respectfully. And I really think that's underrated, but very true. And I'm noticing how we both have disagreement built into the structure Mm -hmm. of both our shows. And I think starting from the assumption that like, hey, we are not all going to agree, that's what makes it interesting, is really refreshing, Mm -hmm. really refreshing. And just gives people the right to not feel like they have to be seen and heard with with everything that comes out of anyone's mouth in that space. Mm -hmm. Also purely about books, I didn't realize how politically related this could be, but one of the things I love to hear from my listeners is, I never thought I'd love a book that was fill in the blank. I never read science fiction. I hate it categorically. But I heard somebody talk about it in such a, one specific title, not the genre, right. not the blanket, not, not the adjective, but I heard somebody talk about one specific book in a way that made me curious. So I went and I sought it out and I was sure that genre wasn't for me, but man, that book was. Oh, and right. I think it's so interesting how when people are open to possibility, they may think that the categorical is not for them, but they can latch on to the specific because someone else hooked them with the idea and changes the way you see the world. Mm-hmm. That is very powerful. And it's interesting to me that inviting all those different perspectives is innovative as creators on mm-hmm. the internet because all you hear from other creators 
not all, but a lot of what you hear from other creators is you want to find your tribe, right? Mm -hmm. You want to find your people who are just going to follow you and think everything you do is amazing and awesome. And that's really not what we're looking for at all. I mean, our... I don't even like the term tribe as people who've listened for a while know, and I upset people with that, and I'm sorry. A little bit. I was going to say, not a whole lot. (laughs) But but we're really really looking. I want to look around me and see people who think differently about the world in so many ways. I think we're failing. To me, if a listener says, I agree with you all the time, then I think we're not doing a very good job. We're not making very good content if you agree with me all the time. Because all I want to be is a window for you into what you think and why, not what I think. And I think that what we you always say and what we try to do is model disagreement because people have forgotten what that looks like or how that can work. I think that we have decided as a culture in this weird dichotomy that that we can't, we have to always agree, and that has fostered just the most intense, nasty disagreement, because we all just go to our camps and talk about how terrible everyone who disagrees with us is, and so we can't, we don't remember that what it's like to just say, okay, this is how I feel, and this is how you feel, and this isn't a transaction. We don't have to come to any contractual agreement where we piece out bit by bit where you're right and I'm right and where we've compromised, sometimes we can just hold the tension and say, well, this is where we're at. Like, this is an uncomfortable position in which nobody's going to be persuaded. I mean, I don't know if it's like we just got trained by, like, reality television shows. Somebody's going to get a rose. Somebody's going to get voted off the island. Like, there's going to be a conclusion. But that's not how life is like, you know? Well, also in that you have to make these personal speeches about your own brand. Like, we're all walking Mm -hmm. brands. Like, you would lose something if you liked one sci-fi book. If you're not a sci-fi person. Right. It's almost like (laughs) I would lose something if I liked that one recommendation. Mm -hmm. Not on brand. Not on brand. Mm -hmm. It's powerful when people say that to you. And I mean, powerfully disturbing. Once upon a time, I read a book. I know you're shocked. (laughs) I think it was uh, Lauren Winner, who was not talking about this at all. I don't know what she was talking about, but she sent me to an art critic. His name is Peter Schadel. He's Scandinavian. But he had, he's an art critic, right? What are you going to learn about politics from an art critic? But I think it's so relevant here. He said that whenever he was reviewing a piece that wasn't, he was so tactful. He said if it wasn't immediately hospitable, which basically meant he thought it was really ugly and he didn't get it and didn't care. Um, That's fine. That's something. But he said that he took it upon himself to see it as like a sociological enterprise. So he didn't like it. Somebody liked it. Who liked, like, who liked it? What were they thinking? Not what were they thinking, but what what did they have in mind? And who, who does like it? What is the person like who would find this kind of work? hospitable. And he said at that point, it becomes a thought exercise, Mm. not a, let's put a brick through a wall exercise. Wait, the bricks are in the wall, right? Yeah. Yeah. What goes through the wall? Is it your fist? Your head? The bricks are the window. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, nothing needs to make contact with the wall. Right. You're just thinking about, okay, it's not for me. I, I don't agree with that. And that's fine. Who does? Now at a certain point, as we've all discovered, you don't want to know the answer to the who does question, but we're just talking about art critics right now. So, in, But also, in, for why most does everything have to be immediately hospitable? I think that's another thing that we've sort of decided is everything needs to be... Because Goodreads trained us. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. Yeah, you like it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you should be the decider. Elise made such a great point when we were talking about voting this week. People say, well, my vote doesn't matter anyway. And Elise said brilliantly, what you mean when you say your vote doesn't matter is that your vote isn't decisive. Mm -hmm. Like, if it doesn't come out the way you want, then your vote didn't matter. That's not how voting works. Like, mm -hmm. that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that you're right. We, we expect things to feel really comfortable. And I think a lot of what both of our shows are trying to do is say, no, just be like a little bit uncomfortable. It's all right. Yeah. You can do it. All right. And I think that some of that discomfort comes from not knowing how we feel immediately. We're really uncomfortable with that. Like, I think there's an, there's a, an, an instinct to boo or yay immediately. And if I don't boo or yay immediately, then really what's going on, you know? I've, I've even had that, com I've had that reaction myself to like books or even news events where I'm like, I don't know how I feel. Is something wrong with me? Like, shouldn't I have an immediate reaction? It's 2018, we have an immediate reaction to everything. And I think that can be a uncomfortableness that we have to deal with in the moment as well. Oh, my friend said something brilliant recently when we were puzzling through a problem to be solved or I thought it was a problem to be solved. But she said, you know, not everything is a problem to be solved. Ooh, Sometimes so it's a tension. You need to learn how to manage. That's so good. Yeah. It's so, I think it's, now we're getting real deep. I think it's something about like spending 13 years as a student. And like, in a, we are trained as a kid and as a student, there's a beginning, there's an end. We have a grade, there's a final, we take a break, we start over. Like, there's like, there's just such a linear march through academia. And so when you get to adult and you're like, okay, but when we get the grade, and then like when spring, like when's the break, and then we start over and there's fresh, there's another grade, there's a syllabus. Like I love, especially as a sort of linear person anyway, like, and you get into adulthood, there's no grades. There's no fall break. It's really a shame. But you, I think we get trained into that sort of, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's, there will be a grade. That somebody will tell me how good or bad I was at that, <laughs> which they will. If you go on the internet, they're more than happy to tell you. But I think that that's sort of like, we kind of want that experience. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. 
that's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. And that's what we're creating through weird things with the internet, right? Yeah. We do, money is our grade, or downloads are our grade, mm-hmm. or um, midterm elections are our grades. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the beginning and end and middle for us. And so we project that into weird spaces. So our audiences have done a fabulous job stepping out of all of that. Let's go back to um, Anne's initial comment about treating it like your living room. So when you have had people who don't honor the premise, how have you handled that? Because we know the nicest people on the internet. We've met some of the others too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it took me years to do this, but if it's really mean, you hit delete in your living room. Because you would, I mean, you don't, you know, nobody talks like that in your house. Really, I think I've done this. I started blogging in 2011, and I think I've done this maybe, maybe a dozen times. I'm not positive I would still need two hands. So I feel like that's a pretty great track record. Um, I think it's interesting. The comment section on Modern Mrs. Darcy actually still does have comments, which is kind of incredible. Just because nobody comments on blogs anymore because they've been dying since, what, 2014? This is the common wisdom. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me to see how if you've, I guess we could argue that you train your people or that you draw in the kind of people who who like that the general tone and stay for that reason. So I don't want to take too much credit here. But I think it's interesting how oftentimes the commenters will gently yeah, call, call out someone else. I, I don't need to, like sometimes a comment will make me raise my eyebrow and I just want to leave it for a little bit and say, like, let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, eh, sometimes it doesn't go well. And then you <laughs> use up some of those deletes. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting how how sometimes people are like, oh, 
I was on my mobile in the Target checkout line. I didn't real. I didn't mean my tone to come across that way. Yeah. I didn't mean it like that. I wasn't thinking about it like that. Of course, sometimes you have the thought police and you have people like calling out rudeness with rudeness, and that's not good. But on the whole, I think that uh, if you have a nice living room, people want to keep it nice. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I think we've had so many instances where people come in, like our, our the rest of our people are like, hmm, do you know the rules here? Like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> But I think because we talk about politics, not surprisingly, people show up in Twitter and Facebook and you just want to say, you don't listen to the podcast, do you? It's fine. Just admit it. It's cool. Like, but let's be all upfront about what's happening here. You stumbled upon this link or this thread. You have some things to say about the thread, but you don't live in this house. Like you're not, you are selling something door to door and you got invited in, but you don't live in this house. And that's, listen, that's fine. But I think that that's a situation in which we have people who've come door to door and stumbled into the living room. And then we have some people in the living room who are just going through some, they live there. (laughs) They live in our house, but they're just going through some things and that's okay. We've definitely had a couple listeners and because of the nature of what we talk about, especially post-election, who have very, very emotional emotions (laughs) they're very they have highly emotional emotions as do I and I think that there's been so many times like that you would we I think we handled it sort of like we handle you would handle a family member like I love you I don't believe this is who you are I'm gonna let you work this out We'll talk again later. Just feel your big feelings. Feel your big it's feelings. Fine. We'll be back. We'll be, we'll be here. with your. You go over there with your big feelings. We'll be here. This is the thing that reminds me, though, of, of Sarah's earlier point, that often when you're talking, you're not really talking to that person as much as you're talking to all the people Everybody who are observing what's happening. You know, because a thing that we're very deliberate about is that we don't crowd shame people. Mm-hmm. You know, so if somebody comes in who doesn't live in our house and says something really ugly, especially if they, like, misspell words or some of the things that people do when they have ugly things to say online we're not going to tweet that to all of our followers with some ugly comment you know what I mean we try to handle it as quietly as possible and I mean sometimes it's my dad so I could just text him and that works out well (laughs) I just ignore Sarah's dad and let I figure that's Sarah's dad she's going to handle it (laughs) but you know I think that I think it just goes back to the internet is a space where you can do this I think people write this off like it's not possible to have lovely, contentious conversations on the internet. And I think it absolutely is. Thank you so much to Ann Bogle, who you can find at the What Should I Read Next podcast, the Modern Mrs. Darcy website, and on social media. If you're not following Ann already, get on it. We are looking forward to being back with you on Tuesday to talk about human trafficking. January is slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And we have a great guest, Marissa Castellanos, joining us to educate us on that important topic. Until then. That was lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ann Bogle. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. And thanks for making us sound better and smarter, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. 
which means we could not live without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you so much, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help make the show better. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Learn more about our live events that we're involved in and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with us and members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 